Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. We're podcasting a Bible study that's posted on Wednesday evenings at this time for those who cannot be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ right here in Omaha. Now, we know that people are listening across the country, also around the world through the means of the internet. And we're thankful to be able to post God, to be able to teach God's word and post it through podcasts and using the internet so that people, again, across the country and around the world can get into God's word. There are people who want to study, but obviously they live in other parts of the country or other parts of the world, but they want to learn God's word. And so we're thankful to have the means, the ability, and the opportunity to be able to teach God's word through these particular podcast lessons. We're thankful that you're there, and we're thankful that we can be with you and open up God's word together and help you come to a fuller and deeper understanding of what God's word really teaches. Now, For those in the Omaha area, we encourage you to come and be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha, 3606 North 108th Street. And Bible classes begin on Sunday mornings at 9.30, followed by worship at 10.30. And then Sunday evenings, 6 o'clock, we come back together for another period of worship and Bible study. And then on Wednesday evenings, middle of the week, 6.30. Wednesday night Bible classes. You're welcome to any and all of these services. We hope to see you soon. We encourage you to share these studies with everybody you can through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means with family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can. You may help somebody else get into God's word and thereby grow in their faith because faith comes by hearing the word of God. Romans 10 and verse 17. So, Make that commitment and start sharing today with everybody you can. We're going to get back into our study of the book of Jude, and we're coming close to being at the end. Now, what we've been bringing out is this particular short letter within the New Testament, only one chapter as it's laid out for us in our Bibles. It's focusing primarily upon standing firm on the true teachings of God's Word and thereby watching out for, being on guard against, and refuting false teaching. False teaching. Now, some people, they may have the, uh, you know, the idea that, that false teaching is somebody who's out there teaching against God, or teaching against Christ, or teaching against Christianity. Well, now, those particular positions, if somebody is teaching something that, are, that is anti-God and anti-Christ and anti-Christianity, that's certainly false teaching. But let me suggest to you that what we see in our nation, what we see in the quote-unquote Christian world, and I, lose, I use that term loosely, all of those who would call themselves Christians, you know, wherever they might be, most of the false teaching that I think we see in that partic- from that particular perspective is done by people who would claim to be Christians. They're teaching something that is not true to the teachings of God's Word. They believe in God. They believe in Christ. Some of them may not believe fully in hell, but probably to some degree at least they would believe in heaven. They, they don't, but, it, but they're teaching things that, that just are contradictory to what the scriptures really say. 
as far as our understanding what God wants us to do as it's written down in his word. It may be amazing to some people that that there are many false teachers out there who claim to be preachers of the gospel, who claim to be Christians, but they're teaching things that go beyond or come up short of or twist what the scriptures really teach. The denominational world right now is struggling mightily with false teaching by teachers who claim to be believers in God and Christ and Christianity. Now, that's what's going on. When we start changing God's word in any way, that's no longer God's word. We've tried to emphasize that through these through these studies and, and through other studies that we, we put out there by podcast. And so Jude, again, the third verse in this short letter, he says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which is God's word, Christianity, to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Now, maybe we need to emphasize a little bit more that last part of that verse where he says it was once for all delivered to the saints. What is it that was once for all delivered to the saints? The faith. The faith. What is the faith? It's God's word. And basically, Jude would probably be focusing on mainly Christianity. He said it's already been delivered. And so when you have teachers come along who claim to be believers in God and believers in Christ and believers in Christianity, and they start saying, well, you know, this, this particular you know, verse or this particular statement, we, we need to adjust it to the, to the times that we're living in now. Uh, or, or they start talking about things that they have brought up in their mind, that they have developed in their mind, that, that is not in the Bible. Jude says, the faith, God's word, God's way for us to live our lives faithfully before him, serving him, it's already been delivered to us. We already have the Bible. We already have the New Testament. There's not going to come another book from heaven floating down from you know through the sky. They're not. We're not going to going to suddenly have somebody appear on the scene and say, "I've got another book of the Bible for you," or "I've got a whole another section of scripture for you." No, no. It's once for all delivered, and so J- Jude emphasizes that at the very beginning of this short letter, and then he starts getting into what they were already having to deal with or what was coming shortly after he wrote this letter, and that is false teaching, false teachers and false teachings. And so he's saying, contend earnestly for the faith. Now that's, you know, that, that's a strong statement, earnestly. We need to be on guard and we need to stand firm on the truth of God's word. When we go back to 1 Timothy chapter 3, 1 Timothy chapter 3, we look at verse 15, and here Paul says, 
If I am delayed, I write to you that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. And notice this, the pillar and ground of the truth. The church is to be the pillar and ground of the truth. Now, what is a pillar? If we're talking about, and, and certainly we understand the, the allusion here, the illustration, a pillar is a support beam or mechanism. Usually we think of you build a house or you build a building and maybe you've got a front porch and you put some pillars along the roof line on the front porch. Well, that's a support part of the structure there. And then what is the ground? What is the ground of the truth? We're talking about the foundation. We're talking about the foundation there. And so he says we are to support the truth, and we're also supposed to be foundational to the truth. We don't make up God's truth. God has, as Jude says, he has already given it to us. The scriptures are here, and the scriptures are complete. So we have no authority to add anything to them, to take anything away from them, Revelation 22, verses 18 and 19, or to change them in any way. And Peter talked about that, and, and he talked about how people will twist the scriptures Paul talked about that in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, how some people have come and they're teaching a different gospel, and Paul says, and that's not the true gospel, so it's not the gospel at all. So Jude is dealing with that in a very forthright way, and he's using some very illustrative language, as we pointed out. He talks about these false teachers are like spots in your love feasts. Now, you don't want to start to eat a meal and all of a sudden you find some kind of mold right in the middle of whatever you're eating. Or maybe you find, maybe you find a, a dead fly or a, you know, a dead uh, insect of some kind right in the middle of your food. Well, that turns you off, doesn't it? Kind of turns your stomach in, in many cases. He goes on, though, and he, say, he uses other illustrations here or, or, or illustrative languages, very image-rich. And he says these false teachers... They're, they're like clouds without water. So imagine if you're in an area that's, that's really suffering through severe drought, and then you look up in the sky and you see clouds forming. And you think, all right, looks like it might rain, but then they just dissipate. Clouds without water. And so what is false teaching? Supposedly, it's supposed to, to give us hope, but because it's false teaching, the hope is false also and the hope is not there. He says false teachers are like autumn trees without fruit. Autumn trees without fruit. Well, what good is a fruit tree if it doesn't bear fruit? It may look pretty from all the leaves and everything, but there's no fruit on it. It's not doing its job. It's not productive of good. Then he also describes false teachers as raging waves of the sea foaming up their own shame. And so they may sound authoritative, they may sound powerful, but they're teaching false doctrine. And so it's just like a raging sea foaming up its own shame. 
wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. What surrounds a star? Way up in the way up in the, the, the universe, way up in the solar system. Blackness all around, doesn't it? Well, so he uses very illustrative language, very image rich images to get across the emptiness and the really foolhardiness of false teaching and false teachers. As we talked about last time, he even talks about how some of them, they really sound good, you know, they're, but, but they're false teachers. Well, let's go back and read verses 16 through 18, and we looked at those last time. He says, these, these false teachers, are grumblers. And I asked the question last time, how does a false teacher work? How does he do his work? Well, he doesn't go around with a sign hanging around his neck saying, uh, I'm a false teacher. I'm teaching false doctrine. <laughs> I've used that, that kind of image to get across the understanding that the devil's always out there, and he's always working in different ways, and a lot of times he's working through other people in our lives. But the devil doesn't go around with a sign around his neck saying, hey, I'm the devil, I'm your enemy, 1 Peter 5 and verse 8. I'm your adversary, I'm looking to destroy you if I can, spiritually and eternally. No, he doesn't do that. He works through, he works kind of behind the scenes and below the surface. And again, he'll use all kinds of means that he thinks might be effective, possibly, against you to lead you away from God, away from faithfulness, away from the truth of God's word. Remember, Jesus said, the truth shall set you free, John 8 and verse 32. If he can just taint it enough that it gets you to you know, a false position, then, then he's got you. And he'll use people in your life to try to influence you away. Now, it's interesting to me. It's frustrating, and it's saddening. How many people, they'll pick up maybe a newspaper article or a magazine article, or maybe they'll listen to something on television, some kind of documentary, and somebody will be talking about something that is, that is truly anti-God or anti-Christianity. And it may be something, now the person doesn't get up and say, we don't believe in God. We're trying to teach you against God. But they'll, they'll teach you things that are contradictory to God's word, the Bible. And, and so people will listen to that and they'll become convinced. They don't do the research that they need to do to follow up and see, is this really true? They won't even get into God's word and compare it to what it says. But they'll accept it. Well, because that guy was on TV. He wouldn't be on TV if he didn't know what he was saying, what he was talking about. Uh, yeah, a whole lot of people are on TV who don't know what they're talking about. At least what they're talking about, they have very shallow knowledge on their part. And if you've got someone who is already is already prejudiced against what the Bible teaches, well, then they'll come across as sounding authoritative on TV or on the radio or in some article that you might read, but it doesn't mean they really know what they're talking about. But people will believe it, and that is indicative of how shallow their Bible knowledge is 
and how weak their faith in God is. So Jude says, contend earnestly for the faith. God's word has been given to us. We need to be diligent in our standing upon the truth of God's word. Now, verse 16, these are grumblers, they're complainers, walking according to their own lusts. And a whole lot of false teachers are simply trying to gain a following. And through that following, they've got power. And through that following and power, they're going to make a lot of money. They mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. Oh, yeah, false teacher's not going to get up there and try to, to uh, alienate you through his false teaching. He's going to try to draw you in, going to try to make you think, you know, boy, you, you, you're, you're too smart to believe in some of what the Bible says here. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, think about that. Some people would, would, would cast doubt upon, did Jesus really arise from the tomb? Did he really come back from the dead? Try to cast doubt on that. But you have the apostles in Scripture not only affirming that Jesus rose from that tomb alive after having died on that cross, but they will make statements such as, we are witnesses. We saw him alive after having died on that cross and been buried in that tomb. So remember the words that were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time, and Peter talks about that, who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. And verse 19, it's where we left off last time, these are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit. Sensual persons. What does that mean, sensual? Doubting or making distinctions is more literally the understanding there. Interesting, isn't it? These are sensual, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. They're, they're worldly. Sensual would be worldly. I was looking at a different definition there, I apologize. So these are worldly people who cause divisions, not having the Spirit. Well, we need to understand. We need to understand that when somebody starts teaching something or espousing something, that contradicts what the Bible already says, we need to steer clear of them. We need to not just not believe what they're saying, but we need to refute what they're saying, to correct what they're saying, if we have that opportunity. But we need to stay away from listening to that and letting it influence us to start believing the false teaching that that they're espousing. We looked at 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning with verse 1, and Paul says the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, we're in latter times, 
Some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving, deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. What's a doctrine of demons? False teaching. Because false teaching is a product of the devil. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, commanding, these are simply illustrations now or examples of some of the false teaching, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. You see, these are things that are being pushed in our culture. The forbidding to marry, you have one huge denominational church that forbids their priests to marry, maybe more than that one. And for some time, they taught that on a certain day, you should, you should not eat certain meats. But there are other people out there who are talking about how you should not eat meat at all. And yet, Acts chapter 10, God has cleansed all true food. So we cannot start contradicting what God's Word teaches because we think we've gotten smarter than that. We're not smarter than God. We need to stand firm on the truth. Now, if we want to say, well, yeah, I, I, I believe that we can, you know, this is just an example, an illustration. I believe we can eat all kinds of meats. I believe that's sanctioned. It's God's, God's will that we can, but I just think I can be healthier just eating vegetables. But I wouldn't bind that on anybody else. Well, that's fine. But when we start trying to put other people down because they eat meat, and we're trying to tell them that they're wrong, that they're, they're you know, evil because they, they like meat. See, we've gone too far. That's, that's going beyond what the scriptures teach. So these are sensual persons, these false teachers, of whatever stripe they might be, whatever kind they might be, from whatever direction they might be coming, whether they're just outright atheists or whether they claim to be Christians or believers in God, but they start changing the scriptures. Whatever direction they're coming from, Jude says they're sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the spirit. And then in verse 20, he goes on and says, but you beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on, on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Interesting imagery there, isn't it? Lost souls help lead them to salvation by pulling them out of the fire what fire is being alluded to there? <laughs> the, the fires of condemnation in hell, obviously. James talks about in James chapter 5 in verse 19, brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death. Yeah. People need to come to grips with the dangers of not living by God's teachings. He gave us the Bible to guide us in truth. And it is through the truth of his word, and we studied this 
deeply when we were looking through Peter's letters, and particularly in in First uh, Peter. I'm, I'm sorry, First uh, Peter, chapter one. Peter goes into some depth there when he says, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, having been born again through the word of God, 1 Peter 1, verses 22 and 23. We need to help people see the truth of God's word. We need to help them understand it so that they can obey it and live by it. And it's the best guidebook that has ever been written down for mankind because it's from a spiritual perspective. It's from God's spiritual perspective. And thereby, we need to help them come out of the fire. That is, the ultimate fires of condemnation, looking down the road, if, you keep, if they keep going in the direction they're going in their lives, Right now, then they're going to be facing eternal condemnation in hell. We need to pull them out of the fire. We need to help save a soul from death. And some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. We are being challenged mightily in our culture and our nation right now with all kinds of worldliness, all kinds of ungodliness, all kinds of evil and wickedness. And when some people are shown what the scriptures teach on those matters in which they're engaged, in some cases they may become angry, even enraged but they will outright reject what the scriptures teach, what the Bible says on those matters, because they think they know better. But what does it really come down to in a lot of cases? They're living in those practices, lifestyles of ungodliness that are condemned in the scriptures. And they don't want to give that up. So they reject the scriptures. Well, we're going to finish up the book of Jude next time. What a powerful, short, direct focus on the dangers of false teaching. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for giving us your word to guide us in your truth. Truth that is the most profound that we can find, to guide us to live the best life that we can live, the most righteous life, but the most fulfilling and satisfying and happy life on a consistent basis, and ultimately that guides us to eternal life with you in heaven. Help us to stay true to your word, Father and help us to help others see how they can change their life for eternal good by coming to you through Jesus Christ and living by your teachings faithfully. Please forgive us, gracious Father, and hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.